time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Turn with me in your Bible. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. I want to also just throw this out there, and that is, uh, as you know, we're, gonna ha- we're having major campus competitions, not only here on Wednesday nights, but we will be at Fall Retreat, Coram Deo as well. And so our, your campus groups will be competing. It will be epic, crazy competing, like you've never competed before. Uh, but one of the things that we would like to encourage you to do is uh, we would like to encourage you to bring uh, people that don't go to DSM, that have maybe never been here or have been very uh, infrequently and so um, what we're going to do is, is if you bring someone that is not a, a, doesn't normally come to DSM, uh, your team uh, will get points uh, for each person that you bring. And so, um, and so the way that you obviously win points when you win a game, you'll get points. If you bring, if you bring people, friends, uh, to retreat, uh, and so what you'll need to do is just when they, when they sign up, you just need to put on there, your, your, you need to have them put your name and, and the campus that you go to, and that campus will get points if it, if it shows up on the registration card. You got it? All right. Okay, so there you go. Sorry, I almost knocked your eye out. All right. Okay. Thank you. Bless you. All right. Okay. All right, we're talking about unstoppable. Unstoppable. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been, for the last number of weeks, really digging in here about the Holy Spirit. I want to continue that tonight. A, uh, a few years ago, a number of years ago, I... Went with some of my friends. Uh, we went down to Mexico. And while we were there, uh, we had the, the privilege of, of meeting, I know many of you have heard of him, uh, meeting David Hogan. And he's a missionary down in Mexico. And, and so he, he's, he's a guy that Britt Hancock has worked with for years. Many of you know who Britt is. And we were down there and, and we all got down to Mexico, went to his house and this guy literally said he wanted to meet with us. And so he, he put out on the, on the deck a chair for him that was like a normal-sized chair. And then the rest of us, you know, the, the little guys from New Life, we came over and he gave us like children's chairs to sit in. Like, and so all of us felt small to begin with, but then we felt even smaller. And so anyway, then uh, we sat there and he began to just tell stories about what God was doing and and we were just all mesmerized as we sat there and heard stories about people being healed, as we heard stories about even people uh, that, that they had prayed for, that, had, that, that God had risen from the dead. And it was mind-blowing. It was unbelievable to be in the mountains of Mexico and hear the stories of as these guys go village to village and start churches, not just salvations, but also the supernatural, the move of the Holy Spirit among them. And so... And so he concluded kind of his long monologue. And this guy, he's, he's in his 50s, had a long white beard. Uh, he's a weightlifter guy. Uh, he'd been in the mountains of Mexico for like, you know, 30 years. And, and so he had, he had on like this tank top and was just kind of standing there like this. Long white beard. And um, sorry, I remember it very well. And anyway, and just tough guy, real, real tough guy. Kind of reminded me of myself. And he... And, uh, and so anyway, so we're, we're, we, we all are, we're, he's done with his talk, and he says, he says to all of us, he goes, well, are there any questions? And I mean, it was just dead silence. 
And everybody, you know, we're there. He's like in boots, wranglers, tank top, muscular. I save souls and raise the dead. And we're like flip-flops, umbros, t-shirts. And we're like, we do teen parties, you know, like from America. I mean, it just, it just, and, and, and everybody was just quiet. Like nobody said anything. And so I was like, here we go. I better, better aim high. And so I raised my hand, kind of like third grade. What's up? And um, he said, yeah, son. And I was like, oof, that's a rough start. And, he said, and I said to him, I said, yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm interested in your perception as to why, why you guys see the supernatural, God moving in terms of healing, in terms of power, to such a level that it's common. Whereas, for us in America, we have more churches, we have more prayer meetings, we have more Christian bumper stickers, we have more Christian concerts, we have more preaching vegetables, we have, we have, we just got, we got way more Christian stuff, but yet, how come we don't, why, why do you think you see it and we don't? And it was at that moment that I became terrified, because he literally went like this, he was sitting down, and he stood up. And I went from son to boy. And he goes, boy? He goes, how many days a week do you fast? I was like, oh. And he said, "Um, how many hours a day do you pray? Then he began to talk and he said, out here, we are dependent on God or we die. We need miracles. We need God to move. The way that God keeps us safe, the way that we open up new villages is we're dependent. And he said, so that means that we pray and we fast all the time. We're desperate. We need God. He said, the reason why you don't see the supernatural in America the way that we do here is that you really, you love your burgers more than you love God. You love comfort. And I, I remember just, just piercing my heart like an arrow as I, as a 20-something, was just so eager to see the supernatural, eager to see God move in power. And I, and I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what all of your stories are. I know many of your stories. But I know that there is a level of the supernatural that we're believing for in this room, among us as a group, among us as a people, that we're not operating in yet, but we will. There is a level of the supernatural, of God working in power, healing, doing miracles in our midst, around here, far beyond what we've experienced. Last week, I thought it was interesting, you know, we had the night of desperation and and we decided to go into a time of praying for healing. And it was great and it was wonderful. And yet, and yet I almost wonder, I'm asking you. In that moment last week when you were here and we were over in the theater and we were praying with all of us united, high school and junior high, and we're crying out and we're saying, God, would you heal? I just wonder if you could go backwards and you could go seven days and rewind and try to figure out what you were thinking and the level of faith that you were able to muster in that moment to pray for healings. What was the condition of your heart? Where were you really at seven days ago? When we said, let's pray for healing, let's ask for the move of God. Because if I'm totally honest with you, if I'm totally honest with you, in that moment, 
there was a moment where I looked up and I felt like we were kind of going through some motions. Like, oh yeah, this is one of the things we ought to do. This is a good thing. But I don't, I don't, we don't, we don't want to gather and pray for miracles and ask for a move of God because it's a good thing. We want to have an authentic faith and believe that when we pray, God hears us and that he moves. We're asking God that it would become normative, that it would be normal, that it would, it, it would, this would be a place where your friends that are sick, you bring them here and God heals them. We're asking God that it would be normal for us to tell the story of how Jesus healed. And it's not just like once a year we hear the story and blog about it. But we're here consistently. We are praying, we're fasting, we're asking God, and we're God sees a people that he delights in and says, man, I love the way they're doing that. Of course I want to heal. Of course I want to touch them. Of course I want to give good gifts. Of course I want to give good good gifts to those that ask. So what does Jesus say? What, What are we as Christians, as Christ followers, where are we supposed to land on this? Matthew 17, 20, the disciples come back to Jesus and they say, hey, we weren't able to cast out demons How come? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Nothing. Imagine Jesus looking at Peter. Peter, nothing will be impossible for you. Philip, Thomas, guys, normal people, not like pie in the sky. Let's put this in, you know, red letters and let me speak kind of vaguely. He's talking directly to individuals and he goes, guys, nothing will be impossible for you. So I just wonder if we take what Jesus says and we try to apply it to what he wants to do today. Is it possible that he wants to do more through DSM students? Not through Tyrell. I'm not saying through Stefan. I'm talking about through you. I'm talking about you as a disciple, you, you walking in a measure of seeing healing, you walking through it, you seeing it. When we, when we want to know what God feels about something, we look at the life of Jesus. It's interesting because if you look through the gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you look through the gospels, it's, it's crazy. There's like hardly any stories about healing. Yeah, right. Read through it. You'd be shocked. Story after story is about Jesus healing. In fact, out of the 3,779 verses in the Gospels, 727 of them relate specifically to healing. That's 19.2%. That means out of everything we get about the life of Jesus, from his birth to the genealogies to everything, almost one-fifth of everything we have is just story after story after story of Jesus healing. So you have Jesus healing an unclean spirit. You have Jesus healing a fever. You know, sometimes we get the people that are like, oh, I don't want to pray for the little stuff. I just want to believe for the big stuff. It's interesting that included in the stories of Jesus, they include Jesus praying over a fever and she's healed. Jesus, there's a story of Jesus healing leprosy, which that was a skin disease. 
Jesus healing the centurion servant. Jesus healing a paralyzed man. Jesus healing a blind man. Jesus healing a a guy with a mental disability. Jesus healing a deformed hand. Jesus raising a young man. Jesus casting out demons. Jesus raising a young girl from the dead. Jesus healing someone who had a bleeding problem. Jesus healing a blind man. Jesus healing a little girl. Jesus healing a deaf guy. Then Jesus heals another blind man. Then Jesus heals another guy with a mental illness. Then Jesus heals another guy who has a disease. Then another guy with a disease. Then he heals another leper. Then Jesus heals a blind man. Then Jesus heals a guy who Peter cut his ear off. (laughs) I just think that's a funny one. It's like, "Mm, Peter, you're one of my disciples. Crazy. Here, let me get that ear. I came to save people, not cut their ears off. When are you going to get this? All right, but anyway. Then Jesus heals a fever. Then he heals, heals another paralyzed man, a blind man. I mean, just, just read. Just read. Just read it, read it, read it. It's, it's wild. 19.2% of the time, you're just going to read about Jesus' compassion for people that have broken bodies where he lays hands on them or breathes on them or does something and, or, you know, spits in the sand and puts mud in their eyes, stuff like that. And he heals them. And then Jesus... He looks at his disciples in Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. Do what I've been doing. In Mark 16, he's just, he, he lays out. Just do what I've been doing. Do the stuff. The power that I have, Jesus says, I'm giving to you. You're going to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to go out and you're going to continue the work of Jesus Christ all over the world. We live in that day. Hip, hip, hurrah. That's the good news. We live in that day. That's the, I mean, that, that, listen, that is not like, oh yeah, thanks, been there, done that. No, that's like, holy cabooses, Cornelius. I live in the age where we get to tap into the power of God and do what Jesus did. I mean, that's like, you're, I mean, you guys, you, you need to get luck in with this. You get to walk in that. We, we, you, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, you get to walk in that. What I've found is that it's so easy for us, if we're honest, and I want to touch on this for a minute. It's easy for us to be big on worship because we can worship and just worship and that's good. It's just, it's just us coming before God. The way that we define it, we can tell others about it. The presence of God was there. It was strong. It was awesome. Cool. We like to hear Bible because someone can stand up and just tell about the verses and tell about what God is doing and we can sit back and we can hear it and it feels comfortable. And in my view, a lot of times we like to do those things. Yes, we need to do those things, but those are also become comfortable things. What's uncomfortable is to look at a sick person and know that they desperately want to be healed and you look at them and say, May I pray for you and for you to muster up the faith to step out of your comfort zone and do something in the name of Jesus. That, that, now that's taking it to another level. That, we don't, we're not sure if we're comfortable with that. If we go to that level, then that's actually activating our faith. And hey, I stepped in to be a spectator Christian. I didn't step in to be an activator Christian. But if we're going to activate something, oh, oh man. Now we're talking a different level. Now we're talking reality. Now we're talking about this in my face where I am an agent of change for Jesus Christ in a broken world. Not sure if I'm ready to go there. 
lot of times it's easy for us to not feel like we want to pray for healing. We like to feel good in worship because we can worship and set our mind at ease and that's good and God likes that and I like that and that's right. And we like to hear the word of God because it's encouraging and we know that it's alive and active and, and I can sit back and no one's in my face and as long as there's more than, you know, like three of us. Uh, preaching is great unless there's three people. When it's three people, it's like, back off, man, don't preach to me. Why? Because we don't like to be uncomfortable. So as long as there's lots of people, we're okay. Why? Because, well, I'm not sure, you know, I'm going to see how I want to apply this and all that kind of talk. But the moment that we start, okay, you being the agent of change, not the guy with the Christian remote control being like, here's the preacher, here's the video, here's Stefan's game, here's the retreat, here, all for me. Consume, 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 consume. But the moment that we say, okay, go do it. Go do it. Go activate it. It's hard. I've watched it for years. I've, I've, I've lived in it. I know it. A lot of times, even when we talk about healing, a lot of times people are kind of casual. If you're in the mountains of Mexico, and if they don't, this person doesn't get healed, then they're going to die. There's a different level of faith and desperation than when you have two hospitals at Woodman and Powers. Take your pick. And we kind of go, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll pray, but, you know, maybe if you'll just give it time, take some medicine, eat vegetables. I mean, you know, like, we've got all kinds of excuses. Got all kinds of reasons why we don't need healing. Doctors. Not, I'm all for doctors. I'm for all for hospitals. Hear me. I am for that. What I'm not for is us stopping short of asking for as many miracles as possible. What I'm not for is us just resigning ourselves and not doing what Jesus told us to do, which was, he told us, Matthew 10, 8, he told his disciples. I mean, this is just Jesus. When he tells, sends his disciples out, he just goes, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. How come we don't quote that? Some of you don't, you don't like to press into healing, not just because, I don't know if, you know, you're not desperate for it, but because you've seen abuses, weirdnesses. You've turned the channel and you're like, oh my, that guy is scary. That guy on TV, uh, that, that's weird. And so instead of categorizing him as one of the kind of the crazies in the family of God, you just kind of justify to yourself, well, I'm not going to do that because there's a weird person that I don't like the culture that he's in. I don't like the way he acts. So I'm going to categorize the whole thing as strange and I'm going to step out and I'm not going to pray for healings. False. Where we need to live is we go, okay, I'm called to heal the sick. I'm called to pray. I'm called to ask. And I don't care if you've been to a weird church, seen a weird guy on TV, or had a weird friend. <laughs> Don't use other weird Christians to justify you not praying and asking God for the supernatural and for miracles and for healing. Don't allow the fact that we live in the most comfortable culture in history and don't allow the fact that there's weird people. Here's a third one that some of us struggle with. Here's another reason why we don't ask God for, for miracles. Because we feel like it's emotionally too hard to believe again. It's too hard to kind of put ourselves out there. Ask God for the miracle. I've been there. I know how that, how that is. I remember in high school, I remember my senior year, there was a lady in our church that she was in a wheelchair. And uh, 
band of us just decided, you know, we're just going to keep praying until this lady walks. Some of my sisters and some of her friends, literally, church started at 6 p.m. and they stayed till the middle of the night praying. And we, church service after church service, began to just pray for her. She never got out of the wheelchair. And I remember as an 18, I was probably 17 at the time, I remember just the pain of that. You know, like, okay, God, how do I wrestle with this? How, I, 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 you want to heal? What, 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 what do I need to do differently? What do we need to do differently? And I know, and all of us have experienced that. All of us have experienced the pain of it. And when Jesus says, nothing will be impossible for you, sometimes we go, really? Because it seems like I've been praying a lot. I think, I think for us, we, we like to say, okay, I want to see the answered prayer the way that I want to see it right now. Truth be told, truth be told, God lives outside of time. God when we stand before him in Revelation 19, it says one day we're going to say, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. That means we're going to say, hallelujah, that means glory and honor, be to the one who is omnipotent, who has all power. One day we're going to say, to the powerful God, God, you displayed your power perfectly on the earth. One day it will be the confession of all of us to go, ay, 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 you're smart and you're powerful and you did it right. And he'll be like, thanks kids. I appreciate your positive affirmation. No, really, you were God. I mean, like, you, you did the whole prayer thing really right. Thanks, Pee Wee. Appreciate that. <laughs> see, the reality is, is that there will be a day where we will see, but right now we do not see. Right now. Jesus, Jesus didn't look at, at all the disciples and say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to figure out how this works. John, I want, you to, I, I, I want you to do systematic theology. Peter, I want you to explain to the philosophers. Now, here's what he said. Do it. Pray. Ask. Our command from Christ is to just swing the bat. And there are definitely days where we pray for miracles and we see them. And there are days where we, we go, I don't, I don't see it the way that I'm praying for it. And God goes, I'm the one that's all powerful. I'm the one that's all smart. I want you to pray. And tell you what. You sit tight, and one day you'll say, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. One day you'll see. Far beyond what you see now. So, our challenge is to be always thankful, always grateful, yet always pressing for more. Always saying, God, we thank you for the, the, we, we thank you for the fever that was healed. God, we thank you for the kid who is a little bit Looney Tune and now he's normal. Praise God. God, we thank you for... Uh, just thank him. You thank him for everything. And I know I've heard people say, well, I want to I believe God for big things. No more of just this, you know, like my ear, earache being healed and fevers being... No, I want to see big stuff. No, 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 no. No, no, no. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder every time that we just in gratitude say thank you and we chalk it up as God moved. God, we thank you for it. It is the attitude of a Christ follower to say, no, I thank God for that. I thank God for every little miracle. Yes, I'm believing for big miracles, but I'm thanking God every time we see a little miracle. 
We thank him over and over and over again. We thank him for headaches that are healed. We thank him for crutches that are thrown down. We thank him when broken arms just heal faster. We just thank him for all of that. He's still the one that's healing all of it. We always live in that. God, we thank you, 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 we thank you. And we ask, we ask, we ask, we ask, we ask, we ask for more. We always carry that paradox within us. I'm so grateful, God. I'm so grateful, God. I'm so grateful. And yet, I don't ever want to be content. I ask for more. I ask for more. I ask for more. We do that with healing, but we do that on your schools. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you that you provided this freezing cafeteria for me to pray by myself. No one shows up, but I got a table and I got a Bible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I ask for two more. I ask for three more. I ask for more. When it comes to power and when it comes to healing, guys, don't be the kid that's like, well, I don't know, I'm going to sit back, be cool, cock my head back and be like, I don't know what I think about that. I just, uh, I don't know. No. Don't be that guy. Here's the guy you want to be. All right? God is the creator. God is the king of all kings. He did create me. And I'm going to thank him. I'm going to thank him for every good gift. Every little, I'm going to thank him. I'm going to thank him and I'm going to, and I'm going to continue to ask for yeah, I'm thankful for the fevers, but God, will you heal the cancer? Yeah, I'm going to thank him for the earaches going away, but God, will you, will you help that man get out of the wheelchair too? And we always live with that. We keep asking. Sometimes we go, oh, it's too painful. I've prayed for, I've prayed for 10 people in my life. None of them got healed. Do you know that Hebrews eleven six 6 says that he rewards those who earnestly seek him? No matter how you chalk it up, he's going to reward those that seek him. Whether you see it on earth or not, no matter how, I know it's going to happen. And sometimes we get in this kind of cocky American mentality that's like, I'm going to see it now. The other day I was, uh, Renata and I were over at Jared and Megan Anderson's house. We were having dinner together and, and uh, Megan began to talk about Jared. Jared Anderson is one of the worship leaders here, about his grandparents being missionaries. And he began, they began to just tell us that Jared Anderson's grandparents were missionaries in the 50s. And they said, yeah, we actually have some video footage of them. And I watched that night. They showed us, uh, they showed us videos of his, of his grandparents who literally went to Bible school uh, to be missionaries. And then went into the jungles, literally, where, to a group of people that had never heard the gospel. And they were, I mean, totally primitive. Naked, totally naked. I wouldn't let my kids watch the video. It was totally crazy. Totally di- pagan, totally didn't know God. And these, these missionaries, and they went in and they began to uh, work among, the, among, these, among these people. Just, I mean, there's nothing there. There was no knledge of the gospel. And for years... For years, they stayed steady and faithful without seeing anyone come to Christ or miracles. For years. Now, in the end, God ended up doing great things and they started a whole village and a church and uh, it was awesome. But the part that stuck with me was for years, they saw no fruit. Can you imagine standing before God one day and being like, okay, God, what's up? My senior year, (laughs) I stopped asking for healing for people, because, you know, I just, 
I prayed for like six different people, and I just didn't see it. Can you imagine the trembling in that moment? Uh, sorry, God. I guess you really are awesome. <laughs> when you look at all of church history, and you look at all of the other believers in the way that they have stayed steady and faithful, no matter what, the last thing we want to be is a DSM people with a weak heart that never asked, that we gave up. You know what Jesus, in Luke 18, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a whole story. And the whole premise of the parable is he says to the disciples, I'm telling you this parable so that you would always pray and not give up. But the temptation is to give up. Temptation for you is to give up. Junior, sophomore, senior, whatever you are. Tonight, I want to encourage you to get out of your comfort zone. Put your cell phone down and pray for someone to be healed. When you walk through your hallways, look for them. You want to know, look for opportunities to pray for healing. Why, Why not? I mean, I'm just asking, what would happen if this was a culture of people where one of the things that we were aggressively after was praying for sick people? When we're out there, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah, sure. And if you do get the person that's like, no, you're weird. Then you're like, yes, Matthew 5, I'm rewarded if I'm persecuted. I walk over here seven feet and I pray quietly and you can't stop me. It's America, people. I mean, listen, they can't stop you. You can't be stopped. No one can stop you from praying. They tried to stop Paul. They're like, shut the guy down. Shut the guy up. Throw him in jail. All right, they throw him in jail and they chain him to a soldier. Then he's like, preach it to the soldier. No. Fine. Put him in a prison cell. He writes two-thirds of the the New Testament. Ah! You can't keep a good apostle down. I'm just telling you. Holy Spirit, alive inside of you, unstoppable. You decide if the culture is going to slow you down. You decide if you're going to believe philosophies and doubts and fears to cause you to become a person with no power. But if you want to be unstoppable, it's available to you. It's your choice. You decide. Half, I, got, I, got, I got buds that today are in their 30s and they are unstoppable. I mean, they are... <laughs> it's unbelievable. Unbelievable the way that God's using them. And I got buds today, ideas in their head, grew into a stagnant philosophy that grew into a stagnant lifestyle. And in their 30s, they're consuming slugs, average men. Just American consumers living for themselves, narcissistic. It's all about them. And they won't amount to much. It's choices that you're making. It's choices. How are you going to live? How are you going to live? And these days, these years that you're making these choices, massively, massively important. So I'm just wondering what happens when let's say, let's say only a hundred of us in this room. Let's just say 100, not all of us. Let's just say, you know, some of us, just a, just a fraction. What happens if a hundred people in this room start to intentionally look week after week on their school campuses for opportunities to pray for sick people. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. My campus group, any Titans here? 
All right. We, we began to talk about this the other, uh, uh, last Sunday, not last week, but the week before. And we just talked about, let's just take this week and start praying for miracles. Let's just try to walk through, our camp, through, the, through the campus, TC, and let's just, let's just begin to pray and just ask God to do miracles. Now, we're 10 days in. 10 days in. I'll tell you this. Weeks from now, months from now, yay, years from now, who knows what God will do? Who knows? Well, David... I don't know if I want to do that. Let's just, let's just say, let's just say you pray for this year. Let's just say you're walking your campus. And let's just say you pray for 100 people to be healed over the course of this year. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? That'd be, that'd be, a, that'd be, that'd be a lot. Let's just say you prayed for 100 people. And let's just say one person gets healed. One. Can I ask you, what does that do? For that person, when you tell them about Jesus, just ask it. What does that do in your heart as a believer when it's not a book that you read, a story, but you prayed for someone? There's a 13-year-old girl, 13 years old. 13 years old, she tells a story. Blind man, gets invited to church. The blind man comes to church. She's 13 years old. She's never seen a blind man before. It's the first time she ever saw him. And she saw this blind man. She met him at a lunch. Saw him at church that night. He came, they invited him to church. He came to church that night. The blind man goes down to get saved. Here's the gospel for the first time. Chooses to give his life to Jesus Christ. The preacher does a prayer for him down Little church, 50, 60 people, and the blind man sees. The blind man comes up from praying, and he looks, and he can see. The place goes nuts. This woman, when she tells the story about what happened to her when she was 13 years old, there's faith in her heart that God moves today. She's a lot older today, but she's got faith. Years later. This, this is the early days, right here. You guys, one day, I know this sounds crazy to you, one day you're going to be 40. One day, I know that just sounds crazy. But imagine when you're 40 years old, if you started to see miracles, if you started to see miracles as a teenager, and you said, I'm going I'm to aim, and this year, my sophomore year of high school, I'm going to pray, I'm going to look. I mean, I want us to be literally the people... I believe that we ought to be the people that are looking the hallways and we are looking for the people with, I mean, messed up legs, messed up brains, whatever. Just look for every kind of sickness, whatever, and just pray for it. And just ask them, hey, can I pray for you? And they'll say, what? I, and then just get, you get the privilege. I believe in God. God's a healer. I've, I know that he heals. Can I pray for you? Okay, let's just play it out this way. Let's say that one person, you pray for those people and, and no one gets saved. Or no one gets healed. Can you imagine when you stand before God one day and you go, hey, my senior year of high school, I prayed for 100 people. <laughs> no one got healed. I, I, I tell you this. You know what God will do? He'll look at you and he'll go, I like you. <laughs> he'll go, yeah, God, I mean, I was, you know, like, I, I was just kind of your, your nerdy kid. Had the silly bracelets on and just kind of... Just kind of the average guy. But I pressed in and I prayed and I believed and I asked you. 
And you know what will happen? I don't know exactly how heaven looks, but I'll bet there's a DVR system where you can go back and look at your life and where God will say, okay, see where you prayed for that guy? That affected that guy. And though that was seven years later and that affected that and that and, and your prayer. And here's how your prayer made a difference. And though you didn't see it in that instant, your prayers made a difference. Ask and you receive, seek and you'll find, knocking the door will be open to you. For everyone that asks, receives. You can just take it to the bank. Jesus said it. I believe it. It's true. Everyone that asks receives. Oh, I thought I was going to receive it right, right now. It doesn't say everyone right then and there. Oh, God, give me a Ferrari. Huh? No, crazy. No. No, 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 no. But one day we'll see. One day we'll see 10 years of the furnace crying out to God. One day we'll see. But when God moves, let me tell you something. If we develop that as a culture, who knows what God will do? Who knows? When we did that trip I was telling you about down in Mexico, I'll never forget the moment. I'm getting into the back of a truck. I'm standing there with Aaron Stern. And Britt Hancock goes, see that woman right there? We were like, yes, we do. And he goes, raised her from the dead. We were like, of course you did, you know, like. We see women that were raised from the dead all the time back in Colorado. It's, you know what happened to me? I was like, what? Give her her room, man. Give her some space, you know. No way. Faith. Faith. Who knows what God will do? You know what happened to a band of furnace kids in 2009 when on the, on the, over in the furnace prayer room? When someone had written up there, my mom has cancer, and people began to pray in the furnace prayer room for that mom, and then one day, crossed out, healed. You know what happens to a group of furnace kids? Holy cabooses, God is on the move. Ty's not unstoppable. Stefan's not unstoppable. We as a youth group, we're not unstoppable. God is unstoppable. And through you, we can change the world. Let's, let's stand and pray together. Just hold out your hands like this. I just want to pray for you. Tell you what, if you just say, you know what? David, count me in. I'm going to take a risk and I want to pray for someone who needs healing this week. If that's you, if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that we, Lord God, would be faithful in asking. We want to remain thankful, but we want to constantly ask. I ask, Lord Jesus, that we would hear stories from kids that right now, tonight, they're freshmen and sophomores. But a couple years from now, as juniors and seniors, even looking back at this night, they have not one story, but four, five, six, and ten stories. I saw this girl. She was struggling with this kind of sickness. I prayed for her. Two days later, it was gone. Instantly, it was gone. God, I ask, Lord Jesus. God, would you get in us that we get to be your hands and your feet. And God, whether we 
see instantaneous or whether we wait, see it 20 years from now or whether we see it in eternity, we say tonight, we want to be those with faith the size of a mustard seed and we want to see miracles. We want your hand for your sake, not for our school's glory, not for our glory, not for DSM's glory, not for New Life's glory, not for a desperation's movement glory, not for our, 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 our mascot's glory, for Jesus' name and his fame that many would come to know you, God. So we pray, put healing in our hands. In the name of Jesus, for your name, God, for your fame, we love you, God. Give us courage to do so. We pray, Lord God, that many, many over the years to come would be healed. Many, God. And I pray, Lord God, that that little tiny seed of courage that's growing in the hearts of some tonight, I pray that it would turn it into a, a huge, gargantuan tree. That it would be massive. That we would step out. We would look at people that need healing and we would say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? My God is big and he still does miracles today. We love you, Jesus. Everybody said amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.